Hello and welcome to the Pelly Podcast. Lower League Scottish football is serious business and this is a serious podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and this is the final part of our interview with Andy Graham. In the second part, Andy talked about his three successful years with Dumbarton and his season at Air United. When we last heard from Andy, he had just left Somerset Park. So, after leaving Air United, what were your options at the time? There wasn't many at that point. I remember... Steny again maybe came in we really um, could have done with you that yeah, season <laughs> but it was um, Jack Ross once once I spoke to Jack yeah. there, there was no real easy as that I, I did have a, a little bit I'll not I'll tell the truth I, sp- I spoke to my my mum and dad actually because I was like I played with Sterling for a long time and I know that people that, people that support bigger clubs don't really see the, the rivalry that happens at smaller clubs and you know that from obviously Stenish Muir and I did think I don't know if that's going to be I don't know how that Allah fans will take mm-hmm. that I don't know so it did it was in my mind and to be honest if Jack Ross wasn't the manager I don't know if I would have signed yeah. I don't know because I think as a, as a supporter of a, a, a smaller club I think at, at this level you appreciate that, that it's not the be all and end all to most players most players are, they, it's just they support bigger teams so it's just a job to them mm-hmm. so you don't mind if someone's played for like Easterlandshire or Falkirk it's just yeah. that if he's a good player that's the, that's the most important thing yeah and I think that the gap as well it's not as if I've went from Sterling to Al I think that the gap in, in, the, in the time that I played with, with the club probably helped as well but no, once I spoke to Jack there really was no when you speak to him you you just think right this is for me This he sold it to me mm-hmm. very very well and there was no really and I knew How did he sell it to you then? What sort of stuff did he say? He just told me that he wanted to win the league and to win the league that he wanted people like myself in that had you know he obviously worked with Nate Dumbarton and he wanted that mentality in that to be part of the group he says he had a, a really good group there already and he just wanted to add the right characters and that's something that Jack was big on you could be as good a player as you want but if you weren't the, the right character for his changing room or his his team then he wouldn't sign you and I, I thought that was brilliant and when he said that when he started talking about that I thought to myself I want to be part of that I want, I want to be involved in that and when you signed for the club, you were pictured wearing a pair of Bermuda shorts. Yeah, brilliant. Just came back from holiday that day and uh, straight to Alloa to sign. <laughs> Didn't anticipate any pictures and David Glencross turned up with a camera. I'm thinking, oh no, please go with a headshot or something. But no, he didn't. He went with the full, the full, the full lot. And I, I think I was signed at the same time as Ian Flanagan, who's always the best dressed man in, in Scottish football. So that didn't help either. <laughs> you mentioned about the the reshaping that, that Jack Ross was doing that summer. He brought in some some really good players. You mentioned Dean Flanagan, who's a, a superb player. Neil Parry came in from Airdrie. Jim Goodwin had uh, come in from St Mirren. John Robertson from Stenhouse Muir. Uh, what did you make of this dressing room you were coming into? Really, really good and strong. And I knew a couple of guys. Scott Taggart mm. had signed. Jordan Kirkpatrick had, had signed. Guys that I played with a lot in my career. You know, Kirkie's been at almost every club of me. He follows me about. Um, <laughs> and Tags as, as well. Another player that. Um, we signed Callum Waters as well, who was really, really good for us that year. Like young left back, who was who was brilliant, and Jason Mark, Graham Holmes, as I say, that as, as a as a captain to go into that dressing room with with him as a, as a, as, a, as a captain was brilliant because he just made everybody feel so welcome, mm-hmm. and um, I, that was a, a big part of it. Kev Colley yeah. was another player. It's that, a right good group of players that when you start listing those names yeah, off. It, it was, and, and even the, the guys that were coming in. Were exactly that that Jack would describe them to me. So John Robertson, what you know, you struggle to find a guy with a better attitude than John, and all of that just made it what I wanted to be part of. Really, the team started superbly and won their first ten matches in the cups in the league. D- did you expect this? Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't, you can't say you expect to win 10 games um, on the trot but what I would say is Jack Ross had us believing that we could win any game that we went out to play in and, and that's how would he do that? he was very analytical of the opposition so he would look at them but he wouldn't look at them as in they can hurt us doing this it was always we can hurt them by doing this and he would go through their team whether it was individually or whether it was as, as a team tell us exactly where we could hurt them and we, <laughs> that's exactly what happened in the game so when that happens as players you start going he knows he started. This this guy's brilliant. He's, can, can what he's an, telling us. Can you so. give me an example of like uh, of like a, a certain player that he would, he would say this is what this player isn't good at, and how you would uh, put that to good effect? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he was very, I would say, critical of, of other teams in the sense that. But I know why he did it. It wasn't because he genuinely thought that to big you up to me. Yeah, you. of course. But it really did work, and it made us believe that we were miles better than the opposition we played. I think Ross County and Inverness in the Betfred Cup that year and. They were Premier League teams, and to a player, we all went out in that pitch thinking we're winning this game. We're yeah. better than them, which is ridiculous because you're not better than them. You're absolutely not better than them. But he would tell you their weaknesses, and he would tell you how you can get the better of your opponent, and that just made you feel absolutely fantastic. Even we even went, and I'll never say this. We we went to Parkhead and genuinely believed that we could get something in that game, which is crazy, because obviously that was under <laughs> Rodgers when he came in, and they had a really strong but side, and they did one. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. But. I'll always say that to this day we went out believing that we could get something out of that game and he would just the way he would point at the board and when he was going through the Celtic team affair, he would, if somebody got a he's decent <laughs> in your head you're going he must be unbelievable <laughs> and that was that was just part of his his, his man management that, that, that he liked and I enjoyed that, that way of thinking and that um, kind of positive thinking going into the game so yeah that, that was probably his best trait I would say we touched on Moussa Dembele there what was he like to play against he was very very good very strong um, quick all the things that <laughs> make a good centre forward <laughs> you don't go to Lyon for what, 20 nearly 20 Aye. million and be linked with moves elsewhere so quickly um, at such a young age he was, he was still quite raw when, when we played against him but he was uh, he was definitely the hardest opponent I've, I've faced in, in my career he was so strong and powerful that it was very difficult to to get the ball off him or yeah. get round him but also Tom Rogic that night as well he was sensational <laughs> he was almost unplayable at times yeah. um, so they had a strong strong side out that night so it was um, but as I say we pushed him really really close mm-hmm. and that oh, was two late to, goals wasn't it uh-huh. yeah and, and, and he said us before the game I'm never, we worked on a Thursday night on Celtic always cutting the ball back always cutting the ball back and he got it into my head that much that the amount of crosses that Ben Gordon who was playing with me that night and, and myself must have cut out from just doing that exactly what he told us to do whereas normally I think as defenders your natural reaction is to go back into your six yard box and defend the cross as in a conventional cross mm-hmm, rather than mm-hmm. a cutback and it was only when we played the game and they, 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 did, that, they did that all the time Forrest get to the byline and he'd look to cut it back and just small details like that that make all the difference when you go to play at a place like, like Parkhead How do you deal with fast and skillful players? Apart from uh, kick them <laughs> yeah, no, You're not even allowed to do that anymore The, game, the game's, game's changed gone. it's moved game's on gone. that much um, No you you try and stand up as long as you can and, and get your teammates to support you. That's the best way I always look at it. You can if somebody's stronger and quicker and, and more skillful than me, then that's when you need to come together as a defence. And that's what I mean about having a good relationship mm-hmm. with your either your centre half partner or your, your right back or your left back, whatever side you're playing on, that they're going to come and, and help you out. And that's what the only way you can approach it. I think. As the older you've got, how have you adapted your game to to change the fact that you're probably not as fast as you once were? I know you kind of talked about you being a marauding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right back <laughs> yeah to be honest I, 
I've never really been quick. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a myth. I hear folks say to me all the time. They say to me constantly, ah, you know, just do you do you do all right considering your lack of pace. And I'm like, I've never had pace. <laughs> I have never been quick. I was slow when I was 21, and I'm slow when I'm when I'm 35. So it's not something that is a. It's something I've had to deal with all my career. I would say, and I think that the older you get, the better you get at it. If you don't get in a race, you can't lose a race. That's the way I always look at it. <laughs> There are a couple of moments of that season I'm going to ask you about. You scored a late winner against Brecon City at Glebe Park and you would start the move and finish it off. Can you tell me about that goal? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, yeah, it was. we had to win. I think we had to um, win the game really to have any chance of, of catching Livingston at that point who were a wee bit clear of us and, yeah. and strong, but we, we had to win really. So, yeah, it was late on. I've, I've played it into midfield. I've intercepted it, played it into midfield and just thought... I'm going. I'm going for this. This we're, we're going all in here. We're, we're all in um, <laughs> straight into the box. Cross came in and uh, header was saved by Graham Smith and just fell right to me. So it was one of them that I remember the, the gaffer Goody at the time. Goody saying at the end, "What were you doing? How were you up there?" He's like, I'm, "I'm delighted you were, but why were you there?" And I was like, "I, I don't know." I'll be honest, I don't really know. It's not like me. The other game was in a 4-2 win against Dennis Muir. Neil Parry was injured, and the team had used all their substitutions, and you had to go in goals. Yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> that was a good laugh. Um, Why did he pick you? Well, funnily enough, the manager was going to pick himself to do it because this was at the time where Jim was still playing. You right. know, obviously when he took over from Jack, he played for let's say eight or nine games maybe, and before realising that that was a terrible decision <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was it was too difficult to do both. And at the time, I'm sure he was on the pitch and nearly went down after cementing somebody. The two of them were. KO'd. You oh, don't, quite a bad. Do not want to get cemented yeah. by, by Neil Parry. I've seen him. His attitude is kill, kill or be killed. He says, <laughs> and um, yeah, he's he's a brilliant goalkeeper and, and one that I've thoroughly enjoyed playing behind. But when you hear the shout, Neely's <laughs> just get out the road, get out the road, because I've seen uh, I've seen a few boys come off a lot worse than than uh, than him. So, but this time he took a bit of a dillion as well. So off he went, and the man at gym was was trying to go in goals. He was saying, "I'm, I'm going in goals," and I was like, "After is that really?" Is that sensible? Like, let's be honest. I'll go in. It's fine. And he, he actually said it was hilarious. He went, "Do you know what, Andy? I'm under enough pressure. Like just you go in. Just you go in." <laughs> so I, I, I can't afford to make a miss. Just you go in. I was like, "Right, okay, right, I'll do it." So yeah, went in and unfortunately lost a, a goal. That was the goal was hit from the thirty yards zone. It hit, went off hit, the bar, hit under the side of the bar, and went in. Can't believe it. Honestly, I thought I'd, I thought I had a decent game as well. Colin <laughs> McMenamin was playing that day in the first corner that came in. He's like. What are you doing? I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But to be fair, I punched. I think I punched it further in the 18 yard box. I made nearly go and watch it. I was like, watch a bit of that, by the way. Um, and there's no way he did two goals when they stopped the goal. I think it was Ollie no. Shaw that scored. Ah, it was an absolute right, yeah. screamer. Was I couldn't goal. believe it. I was devastated. What in my plain sheet? Uh, we kind of mentioned there about Jim Goodwin um, having taken charge of the team, but Jack Ross left to, to take charge of St Mirren. How did it feel to see him move on? Again, another one that was inevitably going to happen when you start the season as well as we did. We knew the first vacancy that came up, there'd be a high chance that he'd be linked with it, or at least. And the way he comes across, we knew if he got an interview, he'd be gone. Yeah. Um, and that uh, that is what, what proved to be the case. And we wished him well again. And the the, the chairman went with, went with, with Jim, which was good for us because yeah. as a changing room at that point, you don't really want somebody new coming in halfway through the season and or not even halfway but a quarter of the way through the season when things have been going so well mm-hmm. and then changing thinking you want something just to be quite seamless and that that's what it felt like it was like that um, so it was, a, it was a good appointment for the dressing room I would say for the, for us as, as players How did Jim Goodwin handle the step up? Absolutely fine you know I, I think 
looking back on it now, and this is just me, my opinion, this could be completely wrong, and you could interview Jim and he would say that's not the case, but I felt that he knew that Jack would move on, and I felt that he knew that he would be, have a chance of getting getting that job, because having played with Jim at Hamilton for, a, for half a season, mm. I knew the character he was in the dressing room, and he was much more reserved and much quieter at Aloha in my first you know few months, and I think that was probably down to thinking... There's a good chance I might I might oh, get this yeah, because it's it is, it is difficult to to go from being somebody's teammate and, and, and friend close to them mm-hmm. to then be their manager. That's difficult, and I think Jim realised that, that the option might come. I don't think he think he thought it would have came as, as quick, quick as, as it did, but I definitely think it was in his head, and the opportunity came, and and, and he took it, which was great for us because it made the it did make the transition much easier. He still had a bit of a rash streak, Jim Gooden, because again, another game against Stenhouse Muir, two weeks draw in September, he was sent off for Elwyn Jimmy McCormack, and then he, after he became the manager, he collected two bookings for two really bad tackles and a defeat at Airdrie in November. I mean, when your manager's getting sent off, what's that, what's that like? Um, funny, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, the, the one at Airdrie, it was, by that point, I think he'd played quite a good, a good number of games, and he was finding it difficult, as you would. I, 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 and everyone I spoke to in football says you can't do both. You can't play and you can't manage at the same time. It's too difficult. Jim obviously tried it for a while. It didn't really work out. But at Airdrie, it really didn't work out. He, 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 by half time, he'd scored an OG. He'd been booked for a shocking tackle. He then came out. It said at half time, right? You know, nobody do anything rash. <laughs> and four minutes into the second half, he's come right through the back of somebody else and got second yellow and sent off. And we we're going. I, what do you do here? <laughs> so we're, we're coming in at the end of the game and thinking, what do you have a go at the, the gaffer? How do you deal with this? And um, but he, he was, as, as I say, Jim on the pitch and off the pitch is a completely different guy. And he was the first guy to go, that's bang it order for me and, and, and hold his hands up. And he was always the first to do that when when, when he was off mm-hmm. the pitch. And it was that point he said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going w- to. Was it straight after the match? He was sort of like. Um... He made that decision and basically said, look, I'm only going to play if. Needs must. I'm reg- still registered as a player, obviously, and mm-hmm. if we need, if we're really struggling with injuries, I'm yeah. going to play, but I'm going to take a step back and, and really focus on, on the management side of things. And I think that made a huge difference to us when he, when he did that. Not just because it meant that he could then see the game better. Yeah. It must be so difficult. I can't even imagine doing it while you're you're playing in the game. It must be so difficult. You think the team, the, the 11 improved without him in the team? Because he was, he was helping us more from the side as well. Because I think sometimes you do look for guidance from your manager at the side. And if he's on the park, it's, it's so much harder for him to do that. And as I say, he's a different character on the park to off the park. So it was like having a, you know, because on the pitch he's very, I always used to call it gym mode. It was, it was in gym mode and you couldn't really. So when he was then off the park, it made such a difference because you were getting that, that guidance from him. And the results prove that it, you know it made a difference. Yeah, of course. Um, you couldn't quite catch Livingston, but you did finish the season strongly and finished in, in second place. So you took on Airdrie in the the playoff semi final. How did you feel about those games? Really looking forward to it. At that point, my playoff experience was was just winning. I, I'd, I'd only really won playoffs, so at that point, I was quite happy. I don't know. You just have that mindset. Oh, well, I'll just win another playoff, which is looking back now, and, and you're thinking that's just crazy to think like that. But I did think like that going into the games, and we felt that over the piece we deserved to finish second. So when you do that, you're saying to yourself, right, well, let's go and let's go and hammer it home now. Let's go and deliver. And mm-hmm. we felt like that going into the games. We lost the was it first game one. Yeah, nil? both games finished one nil. Yeah, we well, one nil. The second game, second game we were a lot better. The first game we were poor at Airdrie. I remember. We struggled. We weren't very good at all, and they, they deserved their win. Fully deserved it. But we always thought coming home to Aloha 
we, we'd have enough to, to, to win the game John Roberts had scored an absolutely a screamer of a volley where that came from I'll never know and I, to this day I always say that to him it's my favourite goal ever because I was right behind it and on the pitch and the second he hit it I knew it was a goal <laughs> so it was one of them one of the best feelings you can have because it was quite it was quite late on as well I'm mm-hmm. sure um, which obviously took the game extra time and, and, and then into the, the dreaded penalties so. Did you step up in, in those shootouts? Yep, yeah scored in, in, the, in the shootout we won I, think, I can't remember who, who missed for them but yeah it was nearly big nearly made a good save and um, through we went to, to the final so yeah it was pleasing to get get to the final Yeah tell me about the final you took on Brecon City who had uh, relegated Wraith Rovers finished in 4th place Brecon won the first leg 1-0 at Glebe Park but yeah. if you talk about the second leg cause that was 4-3 to Alloa and that's what I touched on earlier on I think sometimes if a team win the first leg then the second leg you can get anything and that's pretty much what happened we, we lost the, leg, the first leg 1-0 we didn't play well at all it was similar to the, the, the Airdrie game. We didn't play well in the first leg. We, we, we came back to the indoor drill, and, but we still fancied our chances if we could turn up. And, and so you call it sort of the indoor drill? Yeah, so it's right. not Recreation Park anymore, is it? It's now the indoor <laughs> drill. I'll get in trouble if I call it anything else. The chairman will be on giving me a bit of stick. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so we bringing them back there, we did think, you know, we still, we're still confident of, of winning the game. I think we'd played them a couple of weeks before the season finished and beat them 6 1 at home. So, in your head, you're thinking, right, just. Even half of that will do. Just go out there and play, but play well. And, and and we did play well. It was just a crazy game of football. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't get ahead in the tie. They scored first. I think then Spenny equalised. We went two one up, two each. So we just couldn't get ahead in the tie. We got yeah. level. We got two one, which was two each in aggregate. We could just never get our noses in front. And it was as, as if every time we scored, it was almost like two minutes later they scored. And it was then went obviously three two us, three each, four three. And you're thinking this is just ridiculous now at this point. I remember Trouton came on for them. He wasn't. He came on after about an hour and fouled Neely for the, one of the goals. And he always winds him up about it. Um, he just he pulled him, he pulled him, pulled him for it and never the referee never saw it. And obviously they got they got the goal. But it was frustrating that we didn't win the game in extra time as well because mm-hmm. we had chances, good chances to win the game, and we we didn't do that. And listen, fair play to Breakin. They, they they came and even though they were getting. Behind in the actual match, three two two one, they were always hitting back, yeah. and fair play to them for that. You got to give them credit, and you know they, they didn't buckle and they, they, they kept going. And listen, when it goes to playoffs, it's same these game. So, yeah, you know, so we, we, how, how disappointing was it to lose the penalties? It, it was really disappointing. Probably one of the lowest moments of my career because you sat in the dugout and just watched the the, the breaking celebrations. I did, yeah, I was in my ice bath. Aye, that was that a really low point, really low point. But I wanted to watch it because I wanted to. And I say this, I wanted to watch that because I wanted that feeling again the, the following season. And it's something that I was speaking, I was actually Alan Trouton from Formbreaking came over to speak to me because I'd known him from here and mm-hmm. we had a chat. And, you know, it just makes you think, yeah, I want that feeling. And, and listen, they deserved it. They, they did deserve to go up. They, they beat us. Whether it's penalties, whether it's in, in extra time or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think going into the penalties, it's one of them that, see, when you've been the more dominant side in extra time and you think you feel you should have won it. I always think you're going in thinking, oh no, don't lose it now. So it's a, probably an, a, a different mindset to those penalty shootouts than the ones previously. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we came out on the wrong side of it. So that was your motivation then for the following season was definitely to yeah. use that as the, the carrot to go up? Yeah, definitely. That season then, was it to try and win promotion via the playoffs, given there was two full-time teams in the division at that point? Yeah, we knew it was going to be really tough to, to match them for the full season. We, we did want to though. I mean, that was the, the aim was to, to be up there challenging. There's no doubt about it. I think that the playoffs were obviously another option. We, we, we make sure we finish in the playoffs, but also try and push Wraith and Air as far as we can. But I think the first quarter of the season really 
put pay to that. We, we, did, we didn't start the season very yeah. well. Jim Goodwin was under a wee bit of pressure at that point as well. I don't. I mean, certainly not from again, not from the chairman. You know, Mike never put the manager under mm. pressure, and I think that's probably why Allo is such a attractive club for people to come and, and and work under Mike because he literally just lets managers get on with it. He'll come in at the start of the season and say a wee bit, and he'll come in at the end of the season, and that that's all you'll see. You know, there's no issue with, with, with him getting involved or anything like that. So I don't think as much as yeah, you maybe supporters and, and whatever might have been thinking oh Jim's under pressure I don't think he ever really was under pressure and it was a, a bit of luck really that changed their fortunes I yeah. remember yeah we we, we were kind of we, we tried to go four four two that year and change it a little bit and sign strikers and, and play a wee bit more direct and it didn't really work with the, with the players that we have you know Flanagan's Kev Collies guys that are just so good on the ball, on the ball. you need to get them on the ball as much as possible and it wasn't really happening for us we brought in Gary Fleming that year and played him up front and it was only when we got an injury defensively that we then moved John Robertson to, to right back mm. Scott Taggart came in to play centre half alongside myself and we moved Gary Fleming to hold the midfield he was brilliant there and he was absolutely <laughs> outstanding I mean outstanding did you expect him to be as good as that? I knew he'd be good because I'd seen him play holding midfield at Dumbarton before and I'd said that to, to Jim that he can play there because he was brilliant at it for us at Dumbarton um, because he's it's just so hard to get past for a guy that did play up front he's such a strong strong guy he's, he's ridiculous he's never seen a gym in his life and he is the strongest man alive it's ridiculous um, as I say he went in there and really made a difference because his quality on the ball is good as mm. well so he went in there and he started really dictating games for us and as I say, that was kind of luck that that all happened. That change all happened. John Robertson was excellent at right back. Tags was brilliant at centre half. So it all kind of fell into place. And from then on, we really did kick on and and, and do better after that. Yeah. What were some of your favourite moments from that season? We'll come on to the playoffs. Was there any moments that stood out? Um, the whole season was great. After that, as I say, once we started to win games, you start to really enjoy it, and that's when you start going right. Okay, we're going to be, we're definitely going to be in the playoffs. So we knew that early doors, which is which is a good thing. You know, yeah. we knew we were going to be in the playoffs because I think there was quite a gap between um, ourselves and, and, and fourth. So we knew like we're going to be in the playoffs. So let's just get ready for it. And it was it was an enjoyable, really enjoyable season. As mm-hmm. I say, the dressing room was fantastic. You know that at Allo and the partner, the two that that stick out really has, has been fantastic dressing rooms. You had guys like Craig Malcolm. I'm sure people have told you stories about Malky. Absolutely. Legend of a of a guy and, and, and a lunatic. If I'm being honest, in what um, way? I'll give you a, an example. Christmas night out, we went to Dublin. We're walking back to the apartments, maybe a twenty minute walk. And Malky says to myself and Scott Taggart, "Do you want to see something funny?" No, my my, my immediate answer was no, because <laughs> at that point I, I'm teetotal. I don't drink, so I'm still compass maintenance at that point. I'm going, "No, Malky, I don't want to see anything funny." <laughs> he kicks off his new shoes that he bought, launches them into the river Liffey. Like straight in to them and then he's like I'm going to go and get them I'm going no 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 you're absolutely not going to go and get them so finally persuaded him not to go to swim, start swimming in the river um, but he had to walk home bare feet and it, halfway along he's like I thought we were a lot closer than this <laughs> <laughs> so that's just that, that's just Malky he's a brilliant guy and great to have around the dressing room and as I say that the dressing room at Allo has always been brilliant and that was Part of the enjoyment. That's part of the enjoyment of, of, of football when you're when you're winning games and you're having a, a successful season and and it's a really good group of boys and we've always had that. Brilliant. We mentioned there about finishing in third place. You took on Wraith Rovers. You played them on the the final day of the season. And did you think that gave you an advantage going into that match, given the fact that they had just like narrowly missed yeah. out on winning the title? Yep, definitely did. We played Air the week before, who were coming to our bit to try and. Win the league. We, we oh, beat that's them. the that's a fucking left back. 
Do you know the match? Correct. Talk? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I don't know the match you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Cal Crane scored. We, yeah. we, we did. We, we so we beat Air, we beat Air, which meant then meant that Wraith could win the league by beating us. So we felt we'd done them a, a favour the week before. We obviously had the playoff. We didn't know who we were playing at that point, but we knew we had the playoff on the Tuesday. So the manager. Didn't, in fairness to him, didn't rest a lot of players, which he could easily have done. He rested two or three that were had wee niggles and things like that, which is understandable. And I think one player was on a booking away from suspension, things like that. But the majority of the team was the core of the team that had played all season. And I'll, n- I'll never forget, we came out at Wraith on the last day of the season and they obviously had to win, to, to win the league. And they roundly booed us when we came out for a warm-up. And I know this is crazy, right? Because that's what you do to opposition, right? But we'd just won the week before to give them the opportunity <laughs> to win the league, right? And it... And it irritated me, and I'd said that to the players, like, by the way, we're not coming out here to get a title party against us, I'm, I'm not having it, and that's something as a professional, because I think people just assumed that Wraith would beat us that day, and that, but as a professional player, everyone in the dressing room was all saying, you don't want you don't want somebody to go and win a league when you're mm-hmm. playing against them, of course you don't, it's just, and, and you can never go out on the pitch and go through the motions, once the, once the game starts, you're like, no, this is, we're at this today, and we, we managed to get a, a nil-nil, which surprised me I, I really did and at that point though I thought it was a good thing because as you say I think the mental shift of Wraith going from potentially winning a league and probably thinking the whole way up in that you know during that the, the course of the week and the build up to the game that they were going to win the league yeah. they, they thought that I, I believe that they, that they thought that and to not win it that's a, that's a hammer blow to then have to go and play again on the Tuesday night against the team that did you out the league so I did feel really confident going into those those playoff games. I have to say two pretty straightforward games as well. Two 0 and two one. They won yeah. both games. Yeah, and I think at that point they were they changed their team a lot as well. So it wasn't as if they were a, a settled side. I remember from the Saturday they made a lot of changes from the Tuesday. Then again from the Tuesday they made a few changes from the Saturday. So they had a good squad of players as well. But I just felt that at that point you could sense that the, that something wasn't right because they were making so many changes. And at that point in the season. Kind of know you should know your strongest strongest eleven at mm-hmm. that point to go and play in a playoff game, and I didn't feel that they, they knew that, so it was comfortable the, the two legs. Yeah, I was going to touch on earlier. It was uh, Dumbarton you took on in the final. How do you feel going into that match? Yeah, I was really nervous. It was one of those that you, <laughs> you're desperate to win. You, you, you had the disappointment of the season before. There was the build up of it being Dumbarton and being the manager that. It, me not good enough to, to play in that league, so there was yeah there was a, a massive incentive there for us to for us to go and win the game, and we felt that we deserved it over over the, the way we were playing at that mm-hmm. point because we went in in good form. So we're thinking to ourselves, right, okay, let's let's just go and deliver this time. We're not going to fall at the last hurdle. The first game we, we, we lost at, at home. Oh, you should have beaten them. We though. should have beaten them. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt we were the better side, and uh, Stuart Carswell scored Stunner. a ridiculous goal. I remember even thinking in my head, I hit it. I mean, Kuna went more in the top corner. I just think to myself, oh no, here we go. And I think the goalkeeper had a few good saves for them. Kirky had a really good effort that was touched touched onto the post. And yeah, you do start wondering, is this going to be, is this going to be for us? Because mm-hmm. we, we did play well. And you thought, you know, that, that Andy Dowie mm-hmm. and, and Craig Barr, I think it was at centre half, brilliant games for them. They, they were absolutely outstanding and kept us out. But you always knew you had that 90 minutes as well. So that's, that's the one thing about the playoffs. In the first leg, you're always thinking, right, okay, 1 0. It's definitely not dead and buried. You don't lose a second. You know you make sure one 0 we go into the second leg and, and we give it our best shot. So thankfully we, we went to um, we went to the rock and 
and Aye. delivered. Tell me about that game. It seemed watching the match on on BBC Albert. It seemed that particularly Aloua were relentless and, and should have uh, should have been up uh, well before they scored. But it seemed that Steve Aitken's changes, each change made Dumbarton more negative. So that when Ross Stewart did score, there was nowhere for them to go after that. They couldn't come back into the match. It was probably one of the most strangest games of my life because. You just the way we were playing, you felt we're going to win. This is going to happen. But the longer the time goes on, you're thinking this isn't going to happen. This is going to be one of those hard luck stories where you come so close and you watch the highlights back for years and think I can't believe we didn't win that game. And when Ross Stewart was absolutely brilliant for us, he he was another one that really changed our season in in the sense that he gave us such a different option up front. Mm. He can he's obviously doing well at Ross Stewart at the moment in the Premier League, and it doesn't surprise me in any way because he was excellent for us. His attitude's brilliant, strong, powerful, quick good finisher everything that you want in a striker and he really helped us out that year when he came in and him and John Kirkpatrick had a great understanding and it, that really really kicked us on in, in, the, in that final because I thought Ross was excellent mm. young Callum Smith and Lonefield and Fairman as well came on had to come on because John Robertson got injured early doors as well uh, and, and did really well so I've, I'm, I'm, and I've got to credit Jerry, Jerry Dock the, the physio to, to even get me out in the park that day um, I'd torn a, a, a slight tear in my calf from the, the Tuesday night game and I thought there's no there's no way I'm going to be able to play but Jerry is and, and Jordan who was working with him as well were absolutely incredible and he, 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 put, a, he put a bandage the size of my leg felt like a cast the boys were <laughs> slaughtering me for it it's like you cannot play like that I was like I know I don't know how I'm going to play like that and it meant that my basically my foot was angled so that my heel was basically never touching the ground so that I, I couldn't Straight, so I was, I was playing on my, tip, my, my right tiptoe basically um, which was ridiculous but there was no way you were, I couldn't not play and it's credit to them that they were able to you know he's, he's, Jerry said to me he says 60 minutes it'll probably go you know mm-hmm. it'll properly tear and that'll be you and it just seemed to last and last and last and to be fair to the gaffer we tried we threw everything at them mm-hmm. I, I was up front for about 25 minutes it was just relentless it really was and you know fair play I remember Big Neely making a great save at 0-0 yeah. really good really good save and that kept us alive really and you just knew that you just get one chance and to be fair the goal we scored was probably the worst chance of the lot it was a <laughs> terrible goal it was a deflection and Ross has managed to toe poke it somehow into the corner and that's the first time I'd say in my career I know you touched on it earlier on that Dumbarton had nowhere to go it was the first time that see when he scored the goal I just knew that we were we were winning that there was no way that we were losing that playoff final in extra time going into extra time and I, and I looked at the we were all standing and the manager was talking to us all and you could see they were lying down they were, there, was, there was bodies everywhere they, they weren't together they were, they were, you just thought they're gone that goal has knocked the stuffing completely out of them and so it proved to be because an extra time we still dominated the game and, and John Kirkpatrick popped up with a ridiculous goal brilliant um, goal and I slag him all the time because it was probably his worst game for us I thought it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> I say this to him all the time but that's why you leave a guy like Kirkie on the park because he's got that in him to just produce a, a mm-hmm. moment like that and it was, yeah, one of, one of my best feelings in football when that ball hit the net, I've got to say. So then, how good was it, the full-time whistle? It was, it was really good. It was it was so enjoyable. From Going from the disappointment from the year before as well, and as I said, that was the first time I'd lost in, in the playoff final, so that was a hard one to take. And it, just to see how much it meant to, to the squad to, to come through the playoffs this year, was, was uh, that year was, was absolutely fantastic. And you were singing a song to the tune of S Club 7. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> You've done your research, my goodness <laughs> me. <laughs> Yes, uh, I was singing that. What's the what's the song? Yeah, I can't really remember it to be honest. <laughs> the, the <laughs> it was uh, the boys thoroughly enjoyed that one. To be fair, um, I think it's, it's got 
Tags' favourite lyric in it. It just had a, a bit of everything in there about the season and about the, the playoffs and about how much it meant to us to, to get promoted. That's good. It's a shame you can't remember it. I was quite looking forward to uh, a wee rendition of that. <laughs> so, um, in two- I slaughter too many people in it. So. <laughs> I'd find Steve Aitken if you're listening. <laughs> Not just him, the, 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 <laughs> our own team as well. I slaughter the boys constantly. I sang it at the um, at the Alwa celebration thing. So right. any Alwa fan would probably remember it. Maybe. <laughs> so in the summer of 2018, you are going into the the championship. You mentioned right back at the start, you're the only part-time team in that division. What were your expectations for that year? To, to stay up. It was there was no. I fully believed in the squad that we had that we could stay up. We knew it was going to be really, really tough. We added, you know, Alan Trouton in, in, in the summer, which was brilliant because you know that he guarantees you goals mm. and he's, he's such a clever player and someone that should have played full time for much more in his career than you know. I didn't think he got the opportunity to go full time, apart from being when he was young, younger. And a guy's ability and goal scoring record mm. should have been playing it. A much higher level um, for his career. I don't know why he did, you know we didn't get the opportunities. That's that happens in football a lot. But he's so clever in the mm. final third, and he was a, a big addition to us to a squad that was already very strong and already formed. If you know what I mean, and I think that helps when you're getting promotion. But it was a lot of guys that had played at that level. So Kev and Flanny, these guys had all played in the championship before with Aloha, um Tags. A lot of them had already done it. So that that's what didn't hold any fears for me. And, and we, we genuinely believed the whole season that we, we could stay up. You started the season playing alongside, and I'll just check how I've pronounced this properly, Zravko Karadachi. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like to play alongside him? Uh, Zach came in from Edinburgh City, um, and it was hard It was hard going because his English wasn't brilliant, so that's difficult. As I said to you earlier on, communication is mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. important thing when you're playing as a centre-half and communicating to your partner, and I found it very difficult because... Been from a different country, defended in a different way. So at times he would, centre half, you're kind of trying your best not to cross over each other too much, and he would just charge away. <laughs> and he would be gone, and I'm going, "Where's he going? What's going on here? Is that where you're going?" But it was, um, it was, so it was, it was difficult. It was, it was hard to 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 get at that, forge a, a strong partnership and a strong relationship there, um, because of that. So it was, it was, I tough going for the first few games. What happened to him? No idea. He stayed the whole season. Um, right. Just didn't didn't play. We played at Inverness away I think it was the second game of the season maybe we were oh, it was getting too tight with the centre forward the centre forward was rolling them all the time and the manager had a go at my half time says look stop getting too tight you know you're, you're getting done all the time so just stay stay in your feet because we're strong boys I think it was uh, Austin and the strongest man in the world George Oakley that was um, asked tags about that he, he <laughs> <laughs> they were up front so it was big physical players and he kept trying to get too tight anyway we come out so he says to him half time don't do it come out for the second half ball gets played forward first thing he does gets too tight boy rolls him fills him brings him down yellow card and you're thinking oh here we go so the manager at that point Jim's like right I'm taking him off because it's just going to keep happening so he tries to get the sub ready they take the free kick grabs somebody in the box second yellow card so we're in the 46th minute he's managed to get two bookings gave away a penalty and I'm going what's just happened to you and um, after that I think that the manager didn't feel he could he could trust him to play after that and, and didn't, didn't get back in, in the team obviously we signed you know me and Tags played again we went back to the, the default back four that we go to at Aloha when, when things don't go well it seems to be um, when Robo came right back and, and Scott Taggart played centre half after Karadachi left he was replaced by Sam Roscoe came in on loan from Aberdeen Better. Sam was a good, good player, good young player, and he's he's went on to sign with this year, not on loan, 
that's that's full time. He's, he's there, so I, I enjoyed playing with Sam. He was he was a good talker for for a young a younger player. He came in, and I, as I say, you, you need that that relationship to be good, and and, and it was. He was a, he was a big big tall skinny guy. I think he could be for he's six foot five, so he could be a wee bit more aggressive, but that'll come in mm-hmm. time. And I, I thought you know Sam did really well for us, and. Gave us that bit of, bit of stability and, and a wee bit more options defensively um, that, we, that we could go to. For the best part of last season, it was a bit of a struggle for Aloha. I mean, they were always competitive, never ever thumped, but always kind of lost games by the odd goal. How frustrating was that for, in the particular in the first part of the season? It was really frustrating, especially the first quarter, you know, because we felt it, it is really frustrating when you're in games and you're thinking, we, we should be taking a point mm-hmm. from that, we should be taking three points from that, yeah. maybe in, in the games that you're drawn. And it did make me think back to the year I had at Stirling in that league when that's what, what ultimately let us down. So mm-hmm. um, it was really frustrating. But at the same time, when you are competing, there is that belief that it'll turn. You know, it'll be it could be a, a winning goal here that's going to win it, win us a game two one, and then the, it starts to turn for you. So if you are in games, it's much better than creating chances and and missing them than it is not creating anything at all. And that's the way we felt. We felt we were creating good chances in games and it was only a matter of time before we turned the corner and started to take them. Yeah, of course, between the end of March and the middle of April, the team went on an excellent run of form. They won four in a row. They beat Ross County, who would go on to win the league, and then Falkirk, Greenock Morton and Queen of the South, who were all your sort of relegation rivals. You tell me about those games. Yeah, that was huge for us because we'd been seven out of eight we'd lost before that. So we were on a bad run. And I've said this loads of times that the, the, the gaffer deserves a lot of credit for sticking with the shape and sticking, not not panicking and going, oh, we're going to go five at the back, we're just going to defend. Because we couldn't do that, Allah. We didn't have the players to do it. Um, and he recognised that and, and just kept things the same. So that really helped us going into those four games. And I think the Ross County one was one that nobody expected us to get no. anything. And they're, they're good games to play in because you expect as a player that you're still going to get something. And with being at home, you were like, right, OK, come on, let's... Make sure we're at it, and we'll, we'll have a chance. And we, we were excellent that day, and we, and we, we won one 0 And that, that that gave us that wee bit of belief that we needed to then go and win the, ne- the next three. Were obviously really important. Yeah. Falkirk and, and, and Morton, the teams round about you, they're the ones because Falkirk by that point had picked up a wee bit of momentum, and I think they probably thought they were going to be safe mm-hmm. even at that point. I think they thought they, would, they were going to overhaul us, but to go to their bit and and win, Jordan Kirkpatrick scored really late on to to win the game two one, really. That, that was the that was the, the moment mm-hmm. that you thought right we're going to do this now we're going to do it were you surprised at the the lack of quality in that division because you, you looked at it last season you had the four teams at the top of the table and then everyone else beneath it I mean sure like Morton went into the final day of the season or the, sorry, the penultimate game of the season with a real danger of finishing in 10th place going up were you surprised that there was sort of like a, a lack of quality there I don't even think I don't think there was a lack of quality I think that it's perceived that way because of what, what Aloha did because we pulled a lot of teams into the, the relegation battle I think that people thought ah the standard rubbish because the season before breaking get beat every week so that should happen this season and and that's not the football doesn't work like that it's not we had a good side and, and we more than competed every week but I think the perception for a lot of fans was that nah, the league's rubbish then if Al aren't going down then this league is terrible if they're competing with other teams then and I feel that even clubs maybe thought that as well and I don't think any of them truly believed that they would get relegated until maybe two, three weeks to go of the season. I think they always thought in January when they, a few of them went out and spent Partick and, and Falkirk predominantly went mm, out and yeah. basically replaced their whole teams. Um, I think they all thought hey, that, that we'll be fine, we'll be fine. Allah will be the ones that go down and we'll win the playoffs. And obviously it didn't transpire to, to happen that way. Yeah, well in the final game of the season you took on Air United. They'd kind of were guaranteed fourth place, hadn't been playing well recently. And you knew a point would be good enough to see you finish in eighth place. So what was the feeling like going into that game? 
positive. I think that the week before we'd been home to Inverness with a chance to stay up, and that was a sore one when we came in because Inverness were already in the playoffs at that point, and I think everybody thought we'll, we'll, we'll beat Inverness and that'll be us. And we came in at the end, and that was a horrible feeling because we looked at other results and they'd went our way. And if we'd won, that'd have been us. That was a so that feeling was good in a way because it meant going into the last game we were saying that to each other don't have that again don't have that horrible feeling when you came in and results have went your way and you've not done it and we knew we, at that point we had to win well we, we thought we might have to win we, we weren't sure because there was so many permutations because yeah. of how many clubs were involved it was it was chaos really to be honest and the managers just tried to keep our focus on, on our game as much as possible it's not easy and then when <laughs> the game starts it's never like that because you want to know what's going on but yeah, we, we we took the lead, and at that point you're thinking, right, here we go that again. It was a bit like breaking back in the day. You're like, ah, here we go, we're one 0 up. That's it, we're all right. And um, they, they equalise, and you think, oh no, here we go. Um, but there wasn't, to be honest, the, the rest of the game there wasn't a lot of chances in the game for either side. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last ten minutes, we just gave up territory really, and and, and possession and and air kept it a wee bit. They did try and go forward, but we were that compact at that point because we knew the result down at Dumfries. We knew that. Queens were losing 3-0 so at that point we knew a point was enough no mm-hmm. matter what happened um, at points during the game I remember hearing that Falkirk were winning as well which you're like oh no so if we lose this we're down we're not even in the playoffs if we lose a goal mm-hmm. we're down automatically so that was a, a bit of a horrible <laughs> feeling because you always kind of thought going into the last day right Falkirk are playing Ross County if we get a point we'll be the worst we're going to be is the playoffs but then you start hearing they're winning you're going oh well, this is this is terrible but um, you know we managed to, to see it out and it was a brilliant feeling that the, the final whistle when, when, when it finally went mm-hmm. It was Falkirk who would end up being relegated were you surprised to see them go down? Yeah I was um, at the start of the season you would never have predicted Falkirk who were a team traditionally going for, for playoffs to, to get relegated to, you know, promotion playoffs to, to be relegated so it, it did take me by surprise how how they played that season I think that was Paul Hartley brought in a lot of players didn't he it was a, a, a bunch real, of jobbers aye. It was just a, a lot of a lot of players that probably didn't know the league and I say this all the time I think a lot of players do come up from down south or maybe come from the Premier League and they expect it to be they're going to be the the, the top player in the league or they're going to be the top player in that team and it definitely doesn't turn out to be like that it's so competitive there's so many good players in it that are underrated I think and that proved to be the case Falkirk struggled the first half of the season brought in Ray McKinnon and, and then revamped the squad in January and they did start to pick up results after that which put a bit of pressure on us as well but I think, and I and I said, I touched on it earlier on. I think that they didn't understand the the severity of their situation until it was too late. Mm-hmm. I think they always thought, oh, it's okay because I'll all be down there. But then we won those four games in a row, and all of a sudden it was like, oh no, and it was too late. I think Falkirk were a bit disrespectful of Aloha. I think a few teams were. Yeah, I think that they thought. I, I, again, I, I do think the general train of thought was that I'll all be down, and you know that's. The rest is we, we, we'll take our chances and if we're in the playoffs like Queen's were, they'll, they'll come through it and Queen's did do that in, in fairness to them. Um, but yeah, I, th- I do think that y- you read some things and players were saying after games that we played against Falkirk that they should never be drawn with a part-time team and things and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, you're, you're below us in the league, you're, you're at the same position as the league, so why is that an embarrassment? That's And, and comments like that just just drive you on. That's, yeah, that but they're getting nailed to the dressing room wall. It's not even nailing it to the wall nowadays because you've got so much, um, you know, <laughs> WhatsApp and, and social media now that you just uh, and and I think social media as well played a, a big part as well. There was a lot of and I, it's my, a bugbear of mine, you know, so players tweeting after games and things like that about things that they they, they think and 
all of that just drove us on. All of that just galvanised us as a squad and, and only pushed us to, to make sure we stayed in the league. You had a particularly successful season. Uh, your performances were, were generally very good and you were named in the PFA Championship Team of the Year. How big an accolade was that? I thought it was a wind-up, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I still think it's a wind-up. <laughs> I still think people have got together and done it for a laugh. Um, I was I was very surprised and um, it was one of the... One of the Best achievements of my career, anyway, individually. It, it took me by surprise. I was I was very, very shocked by it, but something that I'm sure in years to come I'll, I'll look back on with, with a lot of pride. When you look back over your career, Andy, how do you feel? You've got a league winners medal with Stirling Albion, promoted three times via the playoffs. You played in the SPL, played in one of the best Dumbarton sides in recent memory, and you also had two relegations. When you take all that into consideration and reflect on it, how do you feel? I feel proud that you know. Playing amateur football till I was twenty one to, to then go and achieve things like promotions and, and people might say oh, it's League One or League Two whatever I don't care I think a promotion is something to be celebrated it's brilliant and it's something that it's not an individual thing it's a team thing and I look back with pride on the amount of teammates that, that I've had that I've got on really well with and that I would still speak to if I, if, I, if I saw them today so all that side of the game makes me just as proud as, as winning all those promotions and things like that so yeah it's something I'll look back on I'm sure in years to come with, with a lot of pride that I've, I've, it's been eventful I've seen <laughs> um, but, and, and I think you need the you need the relegations you need the disappointments to then make you understand how much you appreciate things like promotions and, and, and league winners medals What do you think the best game of your career has been? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> Best game of my career. Now, um, one you look back on and just afterwards you're like, I was, I was brilliant there. I don't think there's ever been one that I thought <laughs> that, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I don't... Uh, I thoroughly... Uh, I honestly couldn't think of one. Do you know that? I'm thinking... I think the night at Parkhead we played really well and I would look back on that with a lot of pride that that Brendan Rodgers side that was winning... Mm-hmm. 11, 12 games on the trot and, and we took them all the way to the 84th minute I think before before they scored you look back on that performance and say that that was really you know as a defender and as and nearly as a goalkeeper as a back four as a team defensively were absolutely excellent so you probably look back at that with a lot of pride and say yeah we were at it that night I know you'll probably get asked this a lot but you're going to be 36 next month <laughs> uh, how much fuel's left in the tank? I think plenty um, I hope plenty it's a uh, as I say, it's something I've always prided myself on is looking after myself and, and my career. That's something that you, you, nobody can take it away from you. If you. You're in control of how you look after yourself and I feel that I've done that over my career. As I say, I, I've not drank since I was 18, which if you see me on a Christmas night out, you would not believe that <laughs> for a second. Um, but, but I haven't and it's something that I, I pride myself on is looking after myself and I hope that I've got a good few years left in me yet. Um, Time will tell. You, mm-hmm. I think you'll know right away. Players always say that that have retired. You'll know. You'll know right mm-hmm. away. And I think when you start letting the boys down on a, on a Saturday or and even on a Tuesday and a Thursday when you're not there at training and you're, you're not even not there. I mean, you're not getting to yeah. where you, you feel you should be getting to. Then I think that's when you'll know. But at the moment, I feel I feel really good. I, apart from that daft suspension on, uh, <laughs> on Saturday, I was on. Eight, that's how I was so frustrated. I, I was on eighty-seven games in a row. So until that stops and. Uh, you're going to, you want to play as long as you can because so many people tell me that you're a long time retired and there's plenty of time to get into things like coaching and I, it's something I definitely want to do mm-hmm. just not quite yet I want to play as long mm-hmm. as I possibly can It's great, it sounds like I mean, obviously you've done, you've done it as a career but just listening to you talk about football is really infectious you've got a real like, <laughs> lust for life for it It's always been it's always been part of my life so it's something that's never never been away I mean, I, I, I love it I do love it and even 
I think at Dumbarton I was 83 games in a row and my, my wife went into labour and I was devastated <laughs> devastated <laughs> tell her that honestly I was, I, and she knows that I, I turned up at the hospital in my Dumbarton tracksuit in the hope that I would get away and, and Ian Murray said that he says if you get to the ground I'll put you in the team so I'm like this, I'll turn up my trackie she was not happy by the way <laughs> not happy she was like you, you kidding me on so unfortunately Ailey Hill stayed in there till 5 o'clock so I missed the game so no yeah it's something that's always been been with me and you take from, as I say, right back from my grounding at amateur level. That's where I got that infectious enjoyment for the game was was from from that, and it's carried with me the, the whole way through my career. Can you sum your career in a song? Absolutely, not a problem. We should have just done that at the start, and we could have saved the whole three hours. Let's uh, let's hear a Gina beat or anything. You got a tune? Absolutely not. I go a cappella. Okay. Um, this is the, the boys enjoy some of my songs. So okay. This you'll, is... you'll get the tune pretty quickly, so so don't worry about it. Uh, okay. Given a chance at the Beano's under Alan Moore Five seasons at Fourth Bank that helped my game Then off to the Ackies in the SPL Released, had to hang my head in shame To the ton, my team when growing up Released again, back looking for a club Three years at Suns where I felt that I was loved then Ginge came in and that was me Gone then in came a call with a one year deal down to air To try to win League One One promotion Winston Ramis nearly all their pens Released back on the scrap heap again Jack Ross, he took me to the Wasps One promotion in our second playoffs Up to the championship to prove some people wrong And in the future I hope there's more verses to this song <laughs> Absolutely sensational. Now, as I say to you, we could have done that right at the start. <laughs> That's it. It would have been done. The interview terminated. We could have saved ourselves a lot of time and a lot of people listening to me talking nonsense by just doing that. Oh man, where you, you go from that? <laughs> Andy, that's, that's been brought. I've, I've had so much fun talking to you. That's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much uh, for, for coming. Thanks in. for having me, Craig. I appreciate it. Brilliant. I'd like to thank everyone for helping put this podcast together, especially Craig Dunning, Fraser Clark, Alistair Gemmell, and Donald Pollock for their notes about Andy's career, and to Big Neil Parry, who passed me over Andy's details to get this sorted out. Please make sure you subscribe. I'm still think about that song. <laughs> Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Just search for Telemies Pelly. Join us again soon when we'll be talking to another superstar from the lower leagues. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Pelly Podcast.